Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. HarperCollins presents... Her Majesty's Royal Coven by Juno Dawson. Neve, Helena, Elle, and Leone, four lifelong friends who also happen to belong to the oldest coven in the United Kingdom. When oracles predict the genocide of all witches, the women must choose where their allegiances lie, with the coven or with each other. The New York Times called Her Majesty's Royal Coven superb and charming. From best-selling author Juno Dawson comes a brand new fantasy trilogy for fans of a discovery of witches or the craft. Out now in hardback and audiobook, narrated by Nicola Coughlin, star of Bridgerton. Her Majesty's Royal Coven, by Juno Dawson. Hello, and welcome to So I Got to Thinking, the weekly Sex in the City podcast where we take the timeless questions of Carrie Bradshaw and apply them to modern life and love. As ever, you are listening to Juno Dawson and Dylan B. Jones, and this week we are joined by another very special guest, an amazing author and a friend of mine. It's Bethany Rutter. Hi, Bethany. Hi. It's me. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much. I'm delighted. Welcome to So I Got to Thinking. Um, Bethany, you have recently released a new book. It's called Welcome to Your Life. Welcome to our podcast. Well, thank you. Tell us about Welcome to Your Life, please. So Welcome to Your Life is a romantic comedy. It's my first novel for adults. Um, And it is about a gal called Serena who is meant to be getting married on the day that we meet her, but she decides at the last minute that she cannot go through with it and she cannot bear the thought of knowing what everything that will happen to her in her life looks like and she just needs to start again. Um, And she sort of plunges headfirst into the world of like dating, new job, new friends and... I guess it's about her trying to figure out what kind of person she is and what kind of life she thinks she deserves and wants to pursue. Amazing. I've not read it yet. I read your YA book, No Big Deal, which was amazing. So oh, thank you. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. If you've not read any of Bethany's books, they're just full of heart. They understand women really well. I think they understand modern life really well. Um, if you are a fan of Sex and the City, I assure you, you will enjoy Bethany's novels. The Bashar to check them out from all good bookshops. Um, this week on the podcast, we have been continuing our exploration of season five. We've been watching season five, episode five, 
plus one is the loneliest number. <laughs> so much to say. So much. So much to talk about. But before we go, Dylan, as ever, do you have a potted synopsis? I do, yeah. So it's Carrie's book launch. Um, mm-hmm. Vanity Fair can't. I don't have a table at Carrie's book launch. <laughs> um, so it's the hottest event in town, mo- mainly thanks to... Samantha and I can never remember her name. Carrie's publicist, um, Amy Sedaris, oh, Courtney, Courtney, Courtney Masterson. Mainly, mainly thanks to the two powerhouses, um, mm-hmm. two amazing New York women um, who put on this incredible and completely unrealistic event, um, <laughs> the Carrie's book launch. Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, yeah, because you guys have both launched books, so we oh, can yes. get into that. Um, and then. Nice, interesting stuff for Miranda. I enjoyed the Miranda stuff. Miranda, um, a guy comes back from her past. Mm-hmm. Um, Chuck Bass. Chuck Bass's dad comes back. Yeah, Robert John Burke, who's one of those mm-hmm. who's in like everything, like CSI, Boston, Miami, mm-hmm. and New York, like all of that. Um, so he comes back and she is determined to not let having a baby affect her sex life as a single woman. Um, Quite right. Charlotte... Um, uh, not much for Charlotte. She's dating like uh, a hello, bunny. Bunny. <laughs> bunny. Bunny comes crashing back into the show. Um, and yeah, Samantha gets a chemical peel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so much to talk about. I actually have, I know we, we've dismissed Samantha gets chemical peel. I have a lot to say about the feminism of cosmetic interventions, actually. Yeah. Um. So let's let's begin at the top. Um, I was so glad. So I spoke to Bethany weeks and weeks and weeks ago about which which episode would you like to do? Mm-hmm. And Bethany said this one right away. And I can only imagine it's because of the amazing portrayal of the publishing industry. Yeah, which is completely <laughs> so- realistic, completely chimes with our collective experiences, I'm sure. Um it's just it's always funny to see publishing in tv and film and i think it's the same with like the art world as well you know when people go to like these openings and it's like i've been to openings they do not look like that and yeah it's just it's always fun and also my brief stint when i spent a year working at a fashion magazine i thought it was going to be like the devil wears prada and i had a very rude awakening (laughs) (laughs) what was it like because i've never worked for a fashion magazine so i still think it's like devil wears prada the office was a cupboard in Notting Hill and I just remember a sports direct one of those huge sports direct mugs that had, was growing mold because it had been there for so long but I, that was my first day <laughs> yes. so yeah not exactly the devil wears Prada uh, <laughs> Enid Frick would never Enid Frick is and I mean, we'll talk at great length about Enid as my all-time favorite sex and city character but um the book launch one so I think I've just published my 12th novel but one of my novels and if it wasn't even a novel, it was my book of essays, skirted into the orbit of Carrie's book launch when we did the Gender Games launch in 2017. But it all came from me. So I want to know, and this is my question to Carrie's publisher, who is paying for this? Because I think when Hachette released the Gender Games, did they put some money behind the back? I don't know. But we did it at the library in London, which is just off. It's on St. Martin's Lane, Garden. isn't it? That's right. Well, well it's remembered. now a fried chicken restaurant. It's gone. It's been replaced. <gasps> no. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, I'm genuinely quite sad about that. It was such a nice little club, wasn't it? Like a nice little place yeah. to do little parties. It was great. And now, yeah, it's gone. I guess it just didn't survive the old Penny D. Mm. No. Oh, that's made me genuinely sad. If you scroll way, way back through my Instagram, there are probably some pictures of what it used to be when we launched Gender Games. And I did a speech on a spiral staircase. <gasps> Oh, actually, we did quite a bougie launch for clean as well. Actually, that was at like an event space. And, and I think with both of those books, it was interesting that they were trying to relaunch my slightly flagging career. Um, who's laughing now? Yeah. Um, I am. Um, but um, And I didn't even need a launch. Just a book people wanted to read, it turns out. <laughs> That's what you need. Um, I do think, so let's, let's put this launch party on trial. So one of the threads that we've discussed previously on this podcast is how famous is Carrie Bradshaw? Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting because there's a line at the beginning of this episode. You know how it opens with this kind of misdirection where you think she's talking about a wedding. Uh And, uh, you know, it's like uh, the most important moment in a girl's career. And the next line is, it's not when she has a book launch, it's actually when she finds a publisher and I was Mm -hmm. like oh like I feel like publisher you know if you're really famous publishers tend to find you you know rather than it being this kind of thing that she wants and you know hasn't been able to achieve so yeah I feel like that was the thing that made me go oh interesting like yeah I I also asked myself how famous is Carrie because it's we know so Courtney tells her that all of all of Condé Nast are coming. We know she writes for Vogue. She was recently sexually assaulted at Vogue. Um, GQ are coming. Vanity Fair can't find their table. There's a dude from the New Yorker. The the old dude. The guy from the New Yorker. Yeah. Isaac Mizrahi, the fashion yep. designer, is there. Um, she last year took part in the New York Fashion Week show thing. Um, and it feels like her star quietly ascends through the seasons up to next next season obviously she is known by name at Prada and is invited to premieres um so it's interesting that it's almost like the way that the light in the friend's apartment got higher up the building as the season went on it's it's a bit like that I don't think it's anything Carrie's even doing but like you say she was approached to publish this book she was literally stopped on the street by her editor to say this publisher wants to publish your columns. Um, but it feels like if, so let's use, a so let's do a comparison. Do we think Carrie is Catelyn Moran? Is she Dolly Alderton? I was just trying is to... Is she not as famous as Dolly Alderton? I was just trying to think about it. And I think that like her, her level, her like fame level doesn't exist because like I was thinking someone like Dolly Alderton but if Dolly Alderton walked into Prada they wouldn't be like oh hi Dolly how are you okay so I think (laughs) I think it could be maybe Sally Hughes so someone who is like knowledgeable in their sphere um but not like a celeb do you know what I mean yeah Mm. Mm. and I think it was slightly unrealistic that she got him that she get like you said Juno she gets invited to like film premieres I don't know but then I guess that's because she knows Smith well, then sometimes and I do, mm. and I'm I'm a penniless transsexual from Bradford, <laughs> so you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised what people get invited. Can you to change your Twitter bio to just say that? 
<laughs> I'll I'll get on that. Yeah, I'll I'll get right on that. Um, but um, it's it's it's. Oh my god, have I have I achieved it? Have I finally become Carrie Bradshaw? That was what I wanted when I was nineteen. Maybe maybe mm. we went now neck and neck. <laughs> but but that said, I'm not getting Condé Nast to come to my book launches. Um, it's mostly my sort of queer friends. The thing that annoyed me the most about that line, the uh, the most ridiculous line, obviously, was like Vanity Fair can't get a table or haven't got Mm. a table. I was like, there aren't any tables at the event. Yeah, what are you talking about? What is, yeah, it's not a wedding. Yeah, It's not a sit down thing. Like, it's like a bar type vibe. So why is this line in here? Like, I feel like whoever was, I I don't know who wrote it. It had a Michael Patrick King vibe to it, though. But um, yeah, so I don't know who wrote, but I feel like it was Cindy Tupac, a classic. Oh, Sydney Tupac. Cindy. Oh, was it? Well, oh, well spotted. Um, My husband what? is obsessed with Sex and the City, so I know, yeah, I, I know all the names. <laughs> I like Sex and the City a lot, but he has seen it so many times that I'm like, cool, okay. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, what else has she written for? I feel like she's written for loads of stuff. But yeah, I feel like she might have got a bit carried away and just put that line in like, oh, and this. Um, also, Anthony Marantina, the theme of your party is white supremacy. White! Everything white! Yes. And then, like, the whiplash moment when he's like, hot pink! Everything's hot pink! Oh, Cindy <laughs> Tupac has written everything in the world. Yeah. From Everybody Loves Raymond. She also wrote Divorce. Yes, which I Sarah really like. Parker. Yeah. Do you know, it's such a shame about Divorce. It feels like... I don't know if it's going to be remembered in the grand scheme of SJP's career, is it really? It feels like a bit of a, almost like a bit of a cheese dream, kind of like (laughs) something we all hallucinated between Sex and the City and Unjust Like That. Um, (laughs) So anyway, let's get get into Carrie this week, because there's plenty to talk about. I will say right up front that I'm lonely. The loneliness is palpable. palpable. Yes. (laughs) It's my least favourite line of scripted dialogue, possibly in the history of television. While standing standing at her book launch. (laughs) Um, But I kind of liked the, because I think it was meant to be absurd, surely. Like... No, I think it was meant to be deadly serious. I think we were meant to be moved. (laughs) Yeah, to be like, oh, it's so deep that she's at this book launch and she's so popular, but she's so lonely. Oh, yes, the irony. Yes, the dramatic irony. You could be surrounded by people, but be the only person in the room vibes. It's very difficult to be sincere in a comedy. And, And actually, I think Sex and the City... Does it very well, actually. At I times, think, yeah. Like a, a lot of shows, you know, remembering Samantha can't find an orgasm and then she gets the release when she cries instead. You know, so sometimes it does pathos really, really well. This was not one of those moments because <laughs> also it's just a bad metaphor because if the loneliness is palpable, like what it's, you can feel it, you can smell it. <laughs> you know, kind of, In what way is it palpable? Can you, can you... Taste the loneliness. It's in the the cosmos are laced with it, <laughs> laced with loneliness. So it's a, it's a big week. It's a big week for Caroline because um, her book is coming out. But what's causing her to have a heebie-jeebies this week is the fact she is single and she's been single for a while and she's struggling to get a plus one for her book launch. Which is her own fault, because I'll tell you why you shouldn't be taking a day 
to a book launch. Again, Agreed. it's not a wedding. Mm. It's just invite your mate. Yeah. Just invite You'll someone be too busy to worry about Coronation yeah. Street. Yeah, invite Charlie Condu. It's just, <laughs> you don't need a date at your book launch. You, in fact, you want somebody with a lot of Instagram followers. Charlie Condu, Charlie Condu, Danny St. James, Charlie Craggs, done. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> you want, yeah, do you have more than 5,000 Instagram followers? I don't care if you're single or not. Please come take a picture of my book and share it with your followers, which is the true meaning of a book launch, may I add. In 2022, if you're having a book launch, it is to create an online moment. Um, and also, I don't know how you feel about this, Bethany. To you, sometimes does the actual book coming to market feel a bit anticlimactic? Um, I mean, it's always nice to like commemorate something happening. But yeah, yeah I feel like obviously for us, for the people that write the books, like this has been a thing for such a long time that by the time everyone gets to buy it, we're like, well, I'm already on to the next thing. So, you know, I'm over this piece of shit book. Like, let me keep moving on with whatever genius thing I'm going to write next. Um, so, yeah, I, I think a lot of authors probably experience the the weird, like, th this moment in itself is not as exciting as maybe people who are not authors would think it is. And I'm, I'm dreadful. I've said that to so many debut authors, which is just like, oh, by the way, it's a real damp squib. Just make sure you've got something planned for release day. Even if I used to, I used to sometimes just take myself to a bookshop just to see it, to see it in the wild, which is always a bit risky because sometimes, sometimes they're not there on release day and you see it's like, oh, this is, this is disappointing. But um, yeah, I, I'm always a big fan of saying market because if you're not going to celebrate your little life achievements, who else will? So and that's true. something that Carrie will ponder next season with her right to shoes if you are a single woman, what do you get to celebrate? Answer your book launch. But Carrie cannot just let herself enjoy this amazing professional moment because she's not dating anyone. But uh-oh, what's that coming over the hill? Is that a burger? Oh, <laughs> I was no. so shocked when Dylan did your introduction and you did not mention burger. I was yeah. like, for me, that's like the headline event of this yeah, episode. Shit. Yeah, and you're right. It's such a meaty episode that I forgot. Pardon it the is, pun. It is. <laughs> it is. Um, it is a good episode, isn't it? Like, despite it really its absurdities. Is. Like, yeah. I watched it just now, um, and just had so much fun watching it. I was like, this "Oh, is... it's, a, it's a really good episode." Yeah, it's it a is fun a really, one. Really, really strong one. Yeah. Um, I have a confession to make. I fancy burger the most of all Carrie's love and Same, and it's so taboo to say it, <laughs> and we should say it. Yeah, we should be proud. Oh my god, this is a, this is a new kink. I burger. This is like how like, I fancy Riley from Buffy more than anyone else in Ooh. Buffy. Oh no, that's <laughs> which just, I know that's is very just having eyes. No, that is, just, that is literally. <laughs> do you know? I I I don't believe anyone who says that Riley isn't the hottest because he is gorgeous. Um, just sadly quite a boring character but yes. um, and it's true also of Burger yeah I think you're right in that by anyone's although actually I can hear Aiden fans outside my flat and they're crawling up the walls yeah. and they're, they're going to kill me but I think possibly if we're being very scientific and very objective I think Burger is the most conventionally attractive in lots of ways mm. he really looks like my ex-boyfriend Martin I don't think Martin is listening to this podcast. So let's just say his name on the podcast. He looks like my ex-boyfriend Martin a lot. 
and I didn't notice it until this rewatch. Oh. How have I? How has this show been airing for twenty years, and I've never put those two like? But um, however, within two minutes of first meeting the very attractive Ron Livingston, he starts typing on a tiny invisible keyboard as if he too has an inner monologue like Carrie Bradshaw. But on three occasions, he whips out his flirting invisible keyboard, and it is such an ick. Um, I had to make myself physically sick to get rid of it from my stomach. I kind of didn't mind a lot of the dialogue between them. I thought, well, it might be also because I think the two actors have good chemistry. Um, yes. But the dialogue was slightly, to use a name uh, that isn't often used anymore, slightly Woody Allen-esque, some of the dialogue. Um, mm. I think they wanted to make it obvious, like, these are two writer, like, writer-minded people. Um, yes. Like, you know when, and you guys will know what I mean by this, like, if you bump it, sometimes you meet someone and you just know that they're a writer because of the way that they talk. Does that make sense? And the way that they see well, the Well, also they have an invisible keyboard. Yeah. So that's, that's how you know. <laughs> but like, they'll, they would like comment on like something that like a stranger, do you know what I mean? Like, we do have like this weird narrative in our heads. Um, and I think they captured that quite well. Um, but yeah, the tiny typewriter can, can um, go. <laughs> when when I when I see my writer friends, I tend not to take my husband or other non-writer friends because writers all together are just quite boring. And <laughs> yeah. we'll talk about sort of it's like industry our job, deep cuts. A, yeah, <laughs> like the oh you're like, oh my god, did you hear what happened at like fleet books? <laughs> you know, kind of like mm. um so there is, yeah, there is going to be a lot of weird sort of Esperanto that sort of a lot of people don't understand what you're saying. And also, it's strange because as an author or a writer, you're probably quite poorly paid, but also it's a really sort of privileged position. So it's, it's sort of, on one hand, it has no privilege, and on the other hand, it's a very privileged position that isn't going to make sense to a lot of people. And sort of when when I've sort of had real kind of career meltdowns, you know, I, I can sometimes see my non-writer friends sort of look at me a bit like, is this bitch for real? Like kind of like, <laughs> what, what, what do you mean you're, you, why, you missed a deadline, who gives a shit? You just, they just don't get it. Um, you could tell with the way the, sh- the episode was edited that we were meant to really be aware that a new love interest had arrived. Mm. Yeah, like little little sparkly music and the shoe, the shot Carrie. of the uh, the shot of Carrie's shoe over the playing card, <laughs> and then just her that are doing again as her performance has evolved. She kind of does this, and I don't know if she's had something done with her teeth, right? But this sort of the the face, and I think you know the face. I mean, the sort of the the slight sort of that little. Orphan Annie seeing Daddy Warbuck's house for the first time face. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm so sorry that, again, listeners to our audio <laughs> podcast cannot see my Caroline face. But you know what we mean. You know, you know what we're doing. They know what we mean. It's the lips as well, so the slightly... <laughs> um, wistful, I mean, can wistful. we do... Wistful, her wistful, kind of enchanted, yeah. sort of spellbound expression, which I don't think she got with Aiden. Um, so, but she, but this, I, it's, I'm not going to name this friend because it's still a very close friend of mine. I have a friend who is very like Carrie, in that he just knows when he meets a guy that he likes, 
it's game over. Oh, wow. And it's like, he just, whereas I've never been like that. I've never, I've never done love at first sight. And it feels like that's what they were trying to convey, I think, mm. with Carrie and Berger. Oh, the playing cards. Mm. Very manic pixie dream boy. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> Very that. Um, I wonder how they came up with that. I wonder how they... I wonder if one of the writers had experienced a skanky trash collector. Well, in, um, <laughs> in London, there are little, like, space invaders everywhere. On the, like, in, in like graffitied little pixelated space invaders, if you look around. And I pointed that out to Chris when we were early on when we were dating. And I was like, oh, I'm like Burger. Like, I'm pointing this random thing out. <laughs> You're the manic pixie dream boy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Dylan, you are a bit of a manic pixie I think I am. Boy. Yeah. I'm okay with oh. that. Do you, think, do you think you've taught Chris lessons about himself from you being in his life? Maybe. I think I've, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> you, you you're not a fully fleshed out character in yourself but chris has learned from you <laughs> um so yeah so caroline meets burger what do we think should burger have told carrie he had a girlfriend um i don't think so but i i love the way that it that episode really captures the like brutal gut punch of really fancying someone and then discovering that they have a girlfriend because I don't think he left it an inappropriately long time to mention it I just think it's a, a situation that whenever it happens at whatever point will feel unfair and you will be mad about it so mm. he could never have done it right because all she's annoyed about is the fact he has a girlfriend not the fact that he didn't tell her yeah and he he sort of couldn't have mentioned it really because he wasn't sure, she wasn't sure if they were on a date. So presumably he wasn't either. So for him to mention he had a girlfriend might have like hurt her feelings. If she'd been like, oh, well, I didn't, I wasn't even thinking about that. So I can see mm. why he didn't mention it. And the, the Samantha line makes me cackle even now. Calm down. I just asked if the seat was taken. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm really which good. Is, <laughs> which is so true because I'm going to say, like, calm down. Um, no, I, I agree. I don't think Berger wasn't under any obligation. Um, I know how Carrie feels that I, twice in my life, I have met someone and thought to myself, you know, oh my God, I see it. I can see it for me. And then you you do find out. So once it was, I'm not naming names, it was somebody in the industry and I thought, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is very burger actually. And I met somebody at a big fancy swanky party at the South Bank Centre and then I moved heaven and earth to track them down on social media. And we had texted for quite some time before a partner came into the equation. Mm. And I was a bit like, oh. And then the other one was my other meeting the wrong one. No, the right man at the wrong time. It's like the Eurovision song. Um, was, yeah, when I was on tour abroad. And so we were literally separated by geography, but I've always sort of felt, gosh, he could have been a soulmate, but alas, mm. he lives in Australia. So there we go. That's the end of that. In a way, I feel like someone having a partner is like one of the more surmountable obstacles 
all they need to do is break up and that could happen at any time and and spoiler it will yes spoiler it will yes dylan have you ever been in a carrienberger situation have you ever fancied an unavailable person Mm. yeah yes um a couple of when i was younger i don't i don't make this mistake anymore but when i was younger straight men who yeah that's a classic for a, for a, i feel like most gay men have been through that uh joy <laughs> um, oh that is it's an absolute rite of passage yeah totally yeah it as, is as a queer person yes you for me my university flatmate yeah painful yeah of oh, such exquisite drama as well it was delicious i eked Three years out of that plot line. <laughs> One last thing to mention about Carrie before we go to our little break. Um, so she goes to her party. She is lonely. Um, but then I think we have another interesting first, although please correct me if I'm wrong. I think Carrie meets her first mystical black person. Yes, the cab driver. Yes. In the form of the limo driver, yeah. Um It was a slippery which, slope due to uh Louise from St. <laughs> Louise from St. Louis. Louise from St. Louis, and of course the very problematic um character in Sex and the City 2 as well, the hotel oh, butler. Christ, yeah. Who so this there, this is a pattern for Carrie in that she meets a person of colour who Again, kind of manic pixie dream girls them in that they they are always wise. They open her eyes to some hidden truth about herself that she has not seen. In this case, the nameless limo driver I checked, and um, she's played by an actress called Dina Atlantic. I looked her which up is as well. Quite the name, amazing. Um, she's been in like Dina, nothing really. No, she hasn't acted for a long time. She's now a life coach, mm. um, but. Dina plays a nameless limo driver who makes Carrie realise that you have to celebrate these wins in life, regardless of whether you're single or not, and takes her for a really sad-looking hot dog, it has to be said. It's an exciting hot dog. It is a a, a proper New York institution hot dog. So it's not as sad as it could have been. It's, yeah, as far as I could tell, she's at Grey's Papaya, which is a legit, like, New York institution. I was watching an Anthony Bourdain show only last night where he also goes there. So it may look sad, but it is, in fact, quintessentially New York, which would very much appeal to Carrie's main character syndrome. Nice. Did a bit of intel. That is... Oh, I love that. Um, that Oh, Anthony Bourdain. I love him. R.I.P. Yeah. Our boyfriend. Okay, let's take a little break there. And when we come back, we will discuss Miranda and Charlotte and Samantha's chemical peel. Be right back. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Hi, and welcome back to So I Got to Thinking. Um, you are listening to Juno Dawson, Dylan B. Jones, and our special guest star, Bethany Rutter. And we're talking about season five's um, plus one is the loneliest number. Um, Carrie is very, very worried that why do we let the one thing we don't have affect the things we do have? And I do, I must admit, I quite like her analogy that in New York, you're always looking for the perfect relationship, the perfect job or the perfect apartment, which there was a period in my life where I too always slightly, well, that was the goal, wasn't it? When when mm. will I have all three? And it was one of those very, there's like, I would say seven or eight extremely memorable Sex and the City lines that like stick with you and mm-hmm. have stuck with me and I think you as well Juno for like and have literally occurred to us at different points in our lives and this is one of them is that your mantra as well Bethany have you always been on the quest for the perfect relationship perfect job and perfect apartment um yeah I mean I guess they are like the most important you know some of the most important things in one's life I'm not really much of a like career gal so I've never been sort of motivated by like work and promotions, but um, I do like, I like doing work that I'm interested in. I like where I live and my husband's very nice. So yeah, I feel like I'm living the dream now. <laughs> we are winning. Carrie is losing. Yes. Um, loser. Um, no, I think she has a point in that, I wonder if it's human nature to maybe, or maybe it's just me because I'm incredibly kind of like goal focused. And, you know, I think it's important that we talk about the fact that I recently was a number one Sunday Times bestseller. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Thanks. Ding. And, um, <laughs> ding, ding. But I will say this worryingly, worryingly soon after getting one of the most wonderful phone calls of my life. I turned my attention to, but where will I chart next week? Oh. 
yeah I feel like this is a real thing that I say about like publishing and being an author is like you know you're always chasing the next thing and it's like you're unpub you know you're you're very early in your writing career you think getting an agent is the hurdle to jump you get an agent then you realize you've got to go on submission and you've got to get a publisher and then once you've got that you're like great I'm done I'm set this is it and then you realize that no like your book has to come out and then you have to see like what events you do and you know what place you are in the charts and then even if you experience insane success like being number one you're then like how long will I be flavor of the month for? And what will happen to my next book? And I just feel like it's a real thing that like you you have to be very psychologically healthy to deal with that constant like and question of like, am I good? It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think it's a fine line between being like driven in a way that's healthy because it, it can be a good thing to be really driven and to push yourself. But it can also mean that you're hard on yourself. Like... Um, and it, it and it's all relative as well. So like, um, it doesn't matter. Sometimes it doesn't matter how successful you are. Like Charlie XCX, for example, is always posting these like long Instagram posts about how she feels like she's uh, not reached her goals and she's like still not famous and blah blah blah. And it's like, babe, like, chill. Vroom, vroom. You're yeah. Charlie XCX. Chill. But like, I feel bad for her and for people who who have that complex. I can slightly identify with. It. I I am hard on myself sometimes with like professional and particularly with creative stuff um I'm hard on myself and definitely was when I was when I was editing a magazine um that drove me insane it was Mm. the right decision to not do that anymore because I couldn't I couldn't hack it I wasn't the right I think you said um Bethany you have to be the you have to be a strong strong mental have strong mental capacity and I didn't for that particular role I didn't have it and I'm a lot happier since leaving it are you feeling good, yeah, you know, though? Are you feeling like, you know, now that you you have got your number one, how are you feeling about the future? Are you feeling good? Yeah, so it's funny because normally I, I've spoken at length about how I feel look and timing play an enormous part in, in publishing. Um, because this this win came so late in my career, you know, it's 10 years since my first book came out, it does feel earned. Um, it feels like I've kind of worked my socks off. And also I felt on this occasion as well that the publisher had published the book really well. And, and that has not been true for all of my books. Some of them I haven't been a priority or they were just published poorly in the middle of January or something. You know, there, there was always something where you could sort of say, mm, I, w- I wish that had been a bit different. Whereas on this instance, I thought genuinely they'd done a really good job with it. So I I, I also wanted it for them as well, because I thought, well, I want their efforts to be rewarded. Um, and so that was that was good. And I'm, I'm sort of, I think because I'm older and because a lot of my books haven't had this kind of sort of sales success, I can recognize it for being extraordinary. Um, you know, most books do not go down instantly so well, you know, kind of. And so um, I'm going to just, I keep reminding myself, which is, you know, you will, you can now legitimately call yourself a bestseller. You can say you're a Sunday Times bestseller and people can't take that away. And it, and it feels really nice to have something that people can't take back because success in publishing in any industries is fleeting. And, you know, 
you know, it's, it sounds mean to sort of sing, to single out John Green. But, you know, when, when I was first published, John Green was the absolute name in young adult fiction. You know, he was the single biggest author in the world. And it feels like his mum and came and went slightly. It feels he, he's not as zeitgeisty as he was in 2012, 2013. And so, you know, I, I've learned and I, and I know that, you know, just because this book was the number one, the next one might not be. So a bit like with our wise limmer driver, just got to celebrate the moment. And so, so, I, so I have true. celebrated. It's been, it's been a very nice a very nice feeling and what's really lovely as well I, I think because the the books that tend to really really hit it tends to be the celebrities or big American authors and so what's been really really lovely is sharing in my little win with a lot of other English authors who who similarly to me have been in the game for a long time and we again we've we've earned our dues and and so it has been it's been really really nice to um have that a little win for the community and that's why you know I'm, I'm so thrilled for Alice Osman who wrote Heartstopper because she's been in the industry for a long time working away as well um so it's nice nice um and obviously not to um you know turn this into a big chat about like publishing or whatever but I do, I thought it was so great that in the same week it was like you had a big success and Gabrielle Zevin had a big success mm -hmm. and just I think because as well, you know, the industry really rewards debuts and is obsessed with debuts and the next big yeah. thing. So for two massive books to be by people who have been working away for a long time, like I felt like as an author, that was really reassuring that like it isn't impossible to mid-career have like this massive hit. Thank you. And yeah, I'm, I'm constantly saying, and, I, and I, I think I've had to cling to for my own sanity, which is you were as good as your last novel. And, and you know, pr prior to, and probably still because it's living out of Fortnite, but prior to Her Majesty's Royal Coven, and um, my, my bestseller was a book called Clean. And I think that was my seventh novel. And when, when Clean came out, it, it outsold the first six put together. So, so I knew, I already knew that you didn't need to be a debut to sell a lot of copies. But what is harder is convincing a publisher that you don't need to be a debut to sell a lot of copies. Mm. You know, the, 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 I still, I hope, I hope there is a shift within the industry. I hope, um, you know, I've, I've heard a couple of times recently of quite established sort of mid-list authors who've been advised to change their names professionally. And I'm like, really? Really? Um, Jojo Moyes. Jojo Moyes is the other notable example of an author. I think Me Before You was like her 11th book or something. So Jojo had been in the game for a long time when that when she really went stratospheric. Um, and that was a detour into publishing. But it's a yes. publishing week. It would, it's, we're talking about publishing. Carrie's got a book out. So. I, think, um, I think Samantha is a good friend throughout this episode but is a mm -hmm. particularly good friend when they're sitting at the table and Carrie's like freaking out. She's like, I don't have a plus one and Oh, I don't, I'm not going to know anyone there. And Samantha's like, look, you're fabulous. You've got a book launch. You're going to have fun. There's going to be straight men at the party. It's going to be great. And she's, and Samantha's just so good at like uplifting her friends. Like she's always like there supporting them more than like any of the other three are, I think. 
becomes... And how is she rewarded in this episode? Yeah, she is told yeah. to leave. Carrie's it's like so rude. Oh, getting it. Oh, I hate yeah. that. Because I, you know, you just think about your own life, and if like one of your friends had like burnt their face off with a chemical peel, <sighs> wouldn't you be going out of your way to be like, it's not that bad, no one cares, like no yeah. one's looking at you, instead of being like, go home, you're disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are we are we surprised though? <laughs> no, unless. <laughs> Um, I mean, she. I mean, she was wearing a veil as well. She even went to the effort to wear a veil. God love her. Um. I was deeply amused at how novel the idea of Botox was. Yeah, that was like, that was quaint. Ooh, wasn't that it? joke <laughs> is very early naughty because now obviously they're dishing out Botox next to chewing gum in WH. Yeah. So <laughs> next to the Viagra in boots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, um, uh, one while we're like slagging off Carrie, um, okay. the other line. The other part that I hated was when she said, the gay guy is the single girl's safety net. <laughs> that's what they're for. That's they're not what... fully formed human beings. <laughs> that's what we're for. We just sit around at home, what, like drinking Cosmopolitans um, and listening to Madonna, just waiting for a phone call from one of our, <laughs> <laughs> one of our girlfriends. I like the idea that you just sit in a darkened room in silence, yeah, just waiting to be just activated. As soon as the phone rings, you you <laughs> unmute you unmute Madonna when the phone rings, so it's just always going on in the background. Um, oh hi, I'm just in a dance party. Yeah. But yeah, again, not not surprised. Like it's yeah, very Caroline behaviour. Poor Stanford, poor Stanford though. Um, but Samantha, yeah, so Samantha and Botox. I cannot remember a time before Botox <laughs> and also that's just bad that's just bad writing because I am full of Botox and I assure you people know when I'm angry I do not have to tell people I am so angry oh yeah that was so weird that bit like what very strange written by somebody who had never had Botox yeah because you don't have to tell people um well maybe maybe in the last 20 years practitioners have gotten better at giving Botox so you don't end up with that kind of <laughs> frozen. frozen Nicole Kidman in the <laughs> film Nine um, face, kind of. Um, but I think Samantha, I mean, we're very pro Samantha on this podcast anyway, but she's right. You know, she should not be judged for having cosmetic intervention in a society which demands mm. certain beauty standards, especially of women. Um, and I, I'm a big, that's why I've always, always on this podcast been so open about the fact that I have my Botox once a year. I get my lips filled maybe every 18 months. Um, as I go into my 40s, I have no doubt in my mind I will continue to have little bits done. And I quite look forward to being, you know, in my 60s and getting my real housewife face. <laughs> like, and that's, that's the future I see for myself. <laughs> I think what is sadder almost is when people pretend they haven't. And I mean, I'm going to name her because Miss Jennifer Lopez Affleck <laughs> claiming she's never had any work done. Oh, did I she? Mean, yes. Oh. I mean, come on, Jenny. <laughs> Jenny from the block. I think you haven't aged in 30 years. <laughs> I think we can assume something is being touched by an angel. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, I do think it's a bit... I mean, we've discussed this before, haven't we? But 
Um, I think it's irresponsible, isn't it? Because it makes people feel bad about themselves if you pretend yeah. that you haven't. Um, do do what you want. I think okay, Caroline is clearly very anti chemical peels, <laughs> um, but Samantha wants one. So who who is she to be shamed? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, hmm. uh, oh, I really enjoyed um, Enid Candice Bergen. Oh my god, so good. God, there's so much happening in Sex. There episode. is a lot, yeah. That's Welcome why I was to this like... two hour edition of So I Got <laughs> Yeah. But she was so good, like the awkward lunch scene, like her, um, her, it was like flawless, like forced politeness acting when she was like, Are you, do you really want me to eat with you? <laughs> like, um, and then I did like when Carrie was like, Enid, come on, like you've got to, I'm trying, <laughs> like you've got to give me something. <laughs> I found that funny. <laughs> Candice Bergen is so good. I mean, she's so good in everything, but her role as Enid could have been so Miranda Priestly. It could have been so over yeah, the top. Yeah. But I think she plays it at just this extraordinary level. I did. I loved her creeping up the stairs, <laughs> yeah. like yes. like the Grinch that stole Christmas, <laughs> and because she's because she's seen her married lover. That was amazing. And then an amazing line when she's like, that's the key to having it all. Stop expecting it to look like what it's going to look like. It's the key to the full line and it's the key to relationships. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, she's right. I'm, I'm not sure about the full line part, but apart from that, she's she's right. Mm. Um, I wish she had done more. I think she only does maybe a couple more episodes yeah. in the whole in the whole oeuvre now she comes back because she has designs on alessandra petrovsky but um and she's also in splat <laughs> yes we've got well that that's well, that's where she tries to muscle oh, in right. on alessandra yeah oh yeah um but i feel like i'd rather cat. have a character like that where you wish they were in it like mm. so that's how i feel about amy sadaris in anything where i'm just mm. so i love her so much and i'm just so happy she's turned up that even if she's in like one episode of one series of Broad City or Girls 5 Ever, I'm, like, so happy she's there. And it really lifts it for me that I'm like, you know what? You can be in one episode. I'm okay yeah. with that. I'm just happy to see you. That's a really good mm. point, actually, yeah. See also Catherine Hahn in anything. Yeah, exactly. There's these lady actresses that you're like, I get it. You're not going to be a leading lady for whatever sexist reasons, but I'm just happy to see you. Exactly. Which brings us neatly to our C plots of Charlotte and Miranda. Um Bunny. <laughs> Bunny's back. Speaking of those actors who will always elevate yep. any episode, Francis Francis Stein, Sternhagen. Stein, Sternhagen. Sternhagen. Sternhagen is back as Bunny McDougal and she's back. She's back again next week. Um yet yeah, walking in on Charlotte, having having her sexy time. Um, her body double gets her boobs out and she has sex. And then, yeah, Bunny rocks up the next morning. Um, and it, it transpires that Charlotte, that Bunny owns the flat that Charlotte is living in. Yeah. Which I was a bit which... like, it's slightly ridiculous that Charlotte just like didn't check this. Like she just like kept living in this flat and she was like, oh, I'm just going to live here. Like, I don't really know who owns it or what's happening, but you know, it will be fine. My stuff like, is here, so it's fine. Yeah, like, come on, Charlotte. <laughs> Can you imagine, though, that the line, it wasn't Trey's to give, I mean, that would have 
sent shivers oh. down your spine, wouldn't it? Kind of like, I knew, I knew that Trey came from old money. Mm. He doesn't own anything. <laughs> um, yeah. Worrying. Um, so yeah, Charlotte, so Charlotte's trauma this week that ties in loosely with Carrie and Miranda's plot is that it's about not really to do with the question of letting the things you've done have affect how you feel about the things you do have but it's more about the things that we don't like saying aloud Mm. so Carrie has issues around the word lonely which I think is an interesting one actually because I think we're having a conversation about loneliness now that feels quite new and quite modern and I think certainly for 2002 a woman a single woman in her 30s admitting she was lonely would be quite yeah, and as as cheesily as cheesily as it was delivered, I did like yeah. that she said it. Yes. Um, yeah. It's the palp. It's the palpable line. It's just <laughs> that's what that's took the it too I far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just if, if Carrie had just said, "I'm lonely," yeah. and Charlotte had gone, "No, you're not," and Carrie would have gone, "I'm lonely," that would have been effective. Not loneliness is palpable, but yeah, um, Charlotte doesn't want to admit she's divorced which is obviously comes with stigma or especially I think for women. Meanwhile, Miranda um, has a secret baby and she doesn't, she, she wants to fuck Bart Bass. Mm. So she, she doesn't tell him that she's got a baby. Mm. What do we, should she have told him? Does she need to? The scene, the scene where she's making out and the baby is screaming did freak me out, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't think I would have been able to go to be in that situation. Um, like I wouldn't be able to have sex while a baby was screaming. Let's find out. I'm going to learn you a baby, and I want to see if you and Chris can perform sexually while screaming babies in the next room. Um, but I really, I found the storyline really touching. Like, um, we it reminded me of a couple of episodes ago when I think the first episode of season five, where Miranda's concerned that like her lifestyle is going to change because she has a baby, and this continuing exploration of it, I think, is really quite important and quite like really well played by Cynthia Nixon as always. Um, And yeah, like interesting. And I like the fact that it was just kind of, he wasn't, he wasn't an asshole really. Like he was just like, I can't, I'm sorry. This isn't for me. Yeah. Yeah. And she like accepted it. She was like, yeah, I've got a baby and that, that's life. Like that was, that's how I read it anyway. I don't know. Yeah, and I liked the way that the conclusion to, you know, kind of Miranda's thoughts on this, like, can I have it all kind of thing, which is, you know, obviously one of the overarching themes of all Sex and City and all women's media ever, is kind mm. of like, no, like, I I can't really. And, you know, my life has changed and it doesn't serve me to pretend to myself and to other people that my life hasn't changed because I have a baby. And I kind of like that. It feels truthful rather than being like, no, I'm a mom who can fuck and have my baby and nothing matter. You know, it, nothing has changed. Um, yeah, it feels more more truthful, I think. Yeah, I liked as well the admission. There was a note that Miranda was delighted to be back at work. And it, it sort of suggested that that was problematic in some way, that, that politically and correctly, Miranda was delighted to be back at work. Why is that politically I thought, incorrect? Yeah, I noted down that line. I thought it was odd. But then 20 years ago, I guess, maybe that's why. But still odd that they said. And, and also in America as well, the, the notion that sort of Miranda should want to give up her incredibly hard-won career in law um, to just stay home. It's strange. But I know, obviously, 
maybe it's because of where I live in the south, living in the city. But a, a lot of my friends who've had babies have really looked forward to going back to work. Just because it's to use a different part of the brain, to be able to have adult conversation. Mm. I think it, it's about, you know, sort of, I think a lot of my friends, you know, did make friends through, I think, is it N, not NCP, that's a car park, NCT groups? Yes. Yeah, NCT groups. Um, you know, and so you were spending a lot of time talking about babies and sleeping and feeding. And I think my friends liked being able to go back to an arena where they could talk about professional matters because, you know, you can. We all contain multitudes and parents are capable of spinning a lot of plates. Um, but I, like Bethany said, I agree that it's nice that Miranda recognises you know, her life is going to change and that's okay. Things are different now. We're all on a journey. We're evolving. And mm. um, in answer to Carrie Bradshaw's question, do we have an answer? Why do we let the one thing we don't have affect all the things we do have? It's just classic human, isn't it? It's like, you know, yeah. <laughs> authors fixating on like one one star review and ignoring the fact that like 90% of their reviews are like four or five stars. Like it's just classic human behavior. It's just really, yeah, we let these dark things overshadow the good things in a way that we never let the good things eclipse the bad things. Mm, I was going to say exactly the same. You took the words up. How, how do you think, how can we as a species then focus on the light? I don't know. I, do, I think I just, you just see it in proportion and, you know, that it is a small proportion of the human experience and most of, at least for me, like a, most of the things in my life are good. So... Surround yourself with like friends like Samantha who will pull you out of the, who will tell you like you're being silly. Focus on the good stuff. Exactly. Yeah, we were not put on this earth to suffer. It, we were simply not. And yeah, I think that's a lovely place on which to end. Yeah, we do focus on the things we don't have. So get yourself some friends in your life who will remind you of the things you do have. Hmm. What a lovely moral to end on. So Bethany, what are you working on now? I'm editing my next book, my next adult book, which will be out next year. So I've, um, yeah, I'm most of the way through editing that. And then, yeah, who knows what will happen to me. Well, good luck. Um, thank you very, very much for coming on. It's been um, a delight. So I got you thinking. Um, good luck with um, Welcome to Your Life as well. Um and Dylan and I will see you next week when we discuss critical condition. Mm. Nina Katz is coming and she has a face. The face. Heather <laughs> Graham rocks her. A lot, a lot season to discuss. Five. What... Season five is wild, isn't it? Like, that's just uh, very wild. Strange, strange season. <laughs> it's yeah, such I'm a short I... season as well. Like, they pack mm. a lot in. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was all, maybe everything that's in season five was originally supposed to be maybe the, it, that's why it's so hectic because they smashed it smushed it all together but i'd rather that than there being filler episodes so you know this is true so true yeah okay we will join you next week until then don't forget to like and subscribe and do all those nice things and we will see you next tuesday bye for now bye.
Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.